0: Today on the podcast, we are very excited to bring another very special, uh, unbelievably insightful guest. Uh, we had such a great chat to this person, and we are continuously surprised by the quality chats that we get to have on this podcast. And again, this was no exception. Uh, today on the podcast, we have elite professional runner, Dave McNeil. Dave McNeil is a professional runner from Melbourne, Australia. He is a dual Olympian competing in the 10,000 meters of both the London 2012 and Rio 2016 Olympics with a best place of 16 in the 10,000 metre final at Rio with a blistering time of 27.51. That's 27 minutes, 51 seconds for 10,000 metres, 10K. He holds a PB of 27.45 for the 10K and recently ran a PB and Olympic qualifier in the 5,000 metres of 13.13. Again, an absolute blistering pace, which he's hoping will get him a spot on the team. And it seems a little bit cruel that you can run the Olympic qualifier and not be guaranteed a spot. So he is sitting uh, waiting uh, to see if he will get picked, which he will find out. very soon. But regardless, uh, we got to chat to Dave today and uh, what a great chat it was, Dad. Yeah.
1: And something about uh, uh, runners that uh, I just love talking to, they've got a really uh, measured down to earth, um, non-ego type of approach to their sport. And we could learn a lot from from these. And look, listening to Steve Monaghetti uh, a few months ago, and Dave McNeil was no exception. And his modesty, um, the guys, you know, he's won the Zatapak twice. He's won an Australian champion Titles, you know, he's been a, a runner. I I used to watch him as a as a young schoolboy, uh, growing up at the uh, the local APS cross country events and and uh, the APS uh, track and field championships, which is a quite a big thing in in Victoria. and And his career has has been a long, uh, and successful one. and And it's really fantastic to see him, you know, potentially go to his third Olympics. Um, it's a credit to his longevity, his uh, consistency, um, his approach to it, and his uh, the thought processes he has now the freedom he has to run now as compared to the anxiety he he says he has when he was a a younger runner Um, and to be doing a PB you know Ten years later, from what he's done in 2010, um, is a testament to to uh, someone who's a real thinker about what he's doing, and and some of the stuff he comes out with uh, is is just such such good lessons that we can all take into our everyday sport, of course, but as well as into our lives. That uh, you know you need a certain balance in what you're doing, and and anything that's extreme is unsustainable. And he he epitomises that, and I just think it's one of the better conversations we've had um for for the people who are out there really trying to to you know everybody's competitive and wanting to better themselves and and it's not going to happen every single session it's not going to happen every single race and you have to be at peace with yourself about that and and that comes across loud and clear with uh, the way he goes about everything he does with his uh his chosen sport which is uh, track and field
0: as always, we couldn't get enough. Uh, we we wanted to hold him on the podcast like we do with every guest. We just want to squeeze as much information out of them as possible. So we hope you enjoy this chat. Without further ado, here is the episode with Dave McNeil. All right. We've got Dave McNeil on the line. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Do you want to start by uh, telling the listeners whereabouts in the world you are at the moment?
2: <laughs> well, I am not in Melbourne. Uh, I'm uh, very fortunate to be on the other side of the world. I'm in uh, St. Moritz, which is in uh, Switzerland. It's a, um, I guess, relatively higher altitude um, location, pretty popular with skiers during the winter. Um, and yeah, I'm just in an apartment and um, on the balcony at the moment. So I, uh, I'll, it would be um, rude not to show you um, the view that I've got <laughs> at the moment. So it's, Unbelievable. it's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, mm. it's, it's pretty, we're pretty lucky and um, actually, if you just, I'll try and get it around the corner, you can see the track track there uh, as well. Nice. So yeah, um, yeah, we did a big track session yesterday and, um, a bit of a long run this morning. So yeah, yeah. it's, um, uh, yeah, fantastic place to, to train and, and undis- undescribably picturesque.
0: Yeah. We'll get into why you're there, uh, in a little bit. And we've got some questions about some pretty epic results you've had recently and probably why you're in Europe at the moment, but. We always like to ask our guests uh, off the bat, uh, what does their sport mean to them? So what does running mean to you, Dave?
2: Yeah, cool. loaded question. Um, <laughs> start with a bang. Look, I, probably for the last few years, I've, I've always described it as, um, you know, a, a pretty intimate part of my identity. Um, you know, it, it obviously is something that I'd, I've been fortunate to do competitively, but uh, I'd be doing, I'd be running, even if I wasn't competing and it, it's, um, a pursuit activity, hobby, um, whatever you want to call it, that, um, you know, I, uh, I get a lot of joy out of, um, I, I make sense of, uh, uh, out of a lot of things through running. And, um, at the end of the day, it, I I'm happy when I'm running, I'm happy after I've run. Um, and so I always kind of, describe it as, um, you know, something that brings out the best in me and, and um, you know, it, it certainly contributes to, yeah, I guess what I, I put out into the world, wh- whether that's running competitively or, um, you know, working or, or uh, yeah, doing podcasts with you guys.
1: <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, interview Steve Monteghetti not long ago and his answer was very similar and it's that passion we hear in your voice about... You would do this regardless of how successful you were at it and that's a fair point to make isn't it
2: yeah absolutely and and um look i i I try not to take for granted that um you know i I have opportunities to um be in places like st moritz at the moment um which is uh yeah as i said it's videos and pictures and, and words don't really do it justice but um there's uh yeah there's just something so very special about um you know running through these mountains and um uh along along all these bodies of water and it's um yeah as I said indescribably beautiful and I think you know we're here obviously to to train and and um and reap the benefits of some altitude but um yeah as I said I'd be I'd be running if even if I wasn't doing it competitively but if I wasn't doing it competitively I might not get opportunities to to be in places like this, which which make it um all the more special and joyous, um, so yeah, definitely fortunate to to be to be able to still be doing this competitively, um, yeah, into my uh uh well older, older years compared to everyone <laughs> else that I'm here with at the moment. I've got, I've got ten years on most of my training partners. That's, yeah. fan,
1: that's fantastic, and they're all probably looking to you for uh, for the the calm, cool. Older statesman uh, level headedness, I, I imagine.
2: Well, oh, they may be looking. I'm not sure if they'll find it. I think <laughs> you, You're, be- you're better, look, better off looking at someone like um, Stewie McSwain or Matt Rams than there. Um, Stewie is certainly um, a, a, a picture of of, um, of just laid back, um, easy going, um, enjoying it all. And you know, for me, I think it's been a bit of a journey to to get to get to this point where I'm. I, I recognize and I'm a bit better at, um, at, uh, yeah, just kind of having figured out what works for me from a training and racing and, and headspace, headspace perspective. And, um, you know, it's even for me looking at people like Rambo and Stewie who, who, um, you know, the, the cream of the crop at the moment, they're, you know, Matt's, Matt's only 23, I think. And, and Stewie's, um, just turned 26. So both pretty young, but, um, yeah, wisdom beyond their years. Um, and then, uh, that's, that's not even to mention, you know, stalwarts like, um, Jen and Ryan Gregson and, and, um, yeah, a lot of the other people we've got here. So I've got good, I've got good role models as much as, you know, maybe, maybe they look up to me as the, the older guys who's, who's been doing it for a while.
1: And do you feed off each other a bit with uh, motivation and uh, and professionalism and the way you you know you would notice little things, that, little intri- intrico intrio things that they're doing um, uh, each day. Uh, you know, preparation wise, getting up, food wise, uh, stretching, all the one percenters. Do you sort of? Oh, gee, I, I should be doing that because he's doing that. Do you, do you? You probably know these yeah. guys very well anyway. But
2: um, yeah, uh, look, I mean, there's certainly a culture. Um, within the group that um, makes everything kind of self-sustaining, um, you, know, no, we, uh, you, know, ov- you know, we, you know, obviously, you know, we're running together all the time, and 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 when you're in environments like this, where you know, there's that's that's what we're here for—is to to train and recover and, and all of that, and, and we're doing it all together. It's um, it just kind of comes naturally that you, um, yeah, you you are, I guess. For lack of a better term, feeding off each other, and but yeah, look as, as I said, that's I think that's more a product of probably having spent a lot of time together, personalities having gelled together, you know, pretty well, and um, you know the other thing is is each week at our I guess one of the main days of our week is a Tuesday when we're usually on the track or, or doing some sort of high quality session, and um, look a lot of the times those those sessions would be damn near impossible to do on your own so um i think that's that's one particular example which probably speaks to lots of other examples um you know outside of that one session where you you uh almost rely on each other um you know it's it's in order it's not a it's not a matter of getting to these sessions and and trying to be the best best on ground it's it's getting these sessions and and getting to the end of it and surviving it. And the only way you do that is actually working together and, and, and sharing the pace. And um, I think that's a, that's a really good example. And it's been a good um, proofing ground for um, particularly in this group of, of how we work together and how, you know, outside of competition, there's, there's no competition when we're, we're in training. It's, it's uh, yeah, very, very much a, a team atmosphere and, and, um, and, as I said, us surviving a lot of this training and, and, you know, long time on the road, long times on the road, um, you know, jumping from place to place, you know, we, we rely on each other just to kind of, um, yeah, pro- provide a bit of that sort of camaraderie and honestly just some, just some lighthearted banter to keep everything pretty lighthearted and enjoyable. So. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, for those that don't know, you're all part of the uh, COVID Melbourne Track Club, which has a high reputation. Mm. And from the outside, I mean, it looks like you all are very close and uh, a tight-knit group, uh, and the competitiveness that you're talking about, um, but also the teamwork has probably resulted in some amazing results over the last uh, few years, but specifically 12 months. And let's talk about, you know, the reason that you're all there in Switzerland, and it's in preparation for Mm. Tokyo. You've got people who are already Mm. qualified, um, and you yourself, we wanted to get to this main point have just run an Olympic qualifier in the 5k a few weeks ago before heading to Europe. So firstly, a massive congratulations yep. on
2: congratulations, that.
1: Congratulations, mate. That's an outstanding. Yeah. Uh,
2: th- thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, well, great thrill. And
0: yeah, t- tell us about that race. So it was a race in Perth that you did it with, uh, yeah, Matt Ramson, uh, talk, talk us yeah. through the yeah. rates and, and the lead up and yep. everything that resulted in that, that epic result. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll probably jump back and forth between a few things, but, um, yeah, probably, um, yeah, sort of early April, um, made the, um, made the decision to start working on a plan to, to go and race in Europe and, and chase some times and, um, yeah, have a, have a crack at Tokyo, I guess. So that was kind of the, the starting point for me and, um, was was kind of deciding between going to the US or to Europe to try and chase some times, and um, you know the other guys were already already going to Europe, and it just made sense to um, to go over there with them and and try and keep keep things as normal and consistent as they had been all year in Melbourne, and yeah, probably a couple of weeks before, um, you know, just booking tickets overseas, um, Matt and Nick kind of come up came up with the idea of putting on a five k in Perth um before we left uh, which which matt had had some success with um over the last 12 months he'd um, uh, put on a good 1500 at the start of the year where he ran the olympic 1500 time and um had done a couple of um pretty pretty handy time trials last year over 3k and 5k so it, it had proved itself as a as a good a good venue um you know uh reliable and set up with pacemakers and so forth and then um yeah, the, on the cake was Stewie Stewie put up his hand and said he'd pace us, which um you know you, you, you can't get you you will get very uh, <laughs> few races ever in the world where um you'll get a toe along four k, um, let alone one or two k so yeah. so so that was exciting and um so I guess going into it, um, we'd we'd all kind of raced a lot during the Australian summer and um i just i'd had you know I, I was really proud of. Kind of everything I'd done that season, race-wise. Time times I'd, I'd run some, uh, you know, a good a good three k, um, but arguably hadn't, you know, competed really well at at some other races and kind of finished a bit further back. But having said that, I'd been really proud of how I'd run it and run a lot of those races and and just trying to kind of find a, a layer of aggressiveness and um, really working on, I guess, um, yeah. Being a little bit more present and and calm and collected, going to these races and 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 really backing myself. So um, I guess leading up to Perth, you know, I'd um, I'd uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, I'd probably grown some balls, I think, <laughs> and um, and 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 was uh, really giving myself a shot at some of these races, and and so going to Perth. You know i knew i was training had been going well and i was in good shape and 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 um you know we we were there for one purpose which was at least to get someone across the line in an olympic time and um you know I, I honestly on paper matt was that matt was a um looking like he should should do it pretty comfortably um and so yeah we kind of um a range that you know stew would would do the pace and he'd take us through probably pretty close to eight minutes and then um we'd try and pick it up a little bit from there and um you know for me going into it I, I was hoping um i'd finish somewhere around about my pb um if i finished under thirteen twenty, i would have counted that as a really good result and would have taken that with some confidence going going over to europe but yeah um felt felt really good through, through 3K, you know, I, um, I I talked a little bit about the the months leading up and the races leading up, having um, very specifically um, worked on, on, I guess, my mental approach to, to getting to the start line, but also just how I, um, how I tacked the race and, and, and where my mind was at the race. So, you know, when I was at, I think all of the races leading up to Perth, I'd, I'd kind of had I'd find myself in situations where I'd have to, I was at the front and pushing the pace and, and really having to be quite aggressive. And this was an opportunity where I, I didn't actually have to do that. I mm. could just sit in and, and, um, and, and stay calm and collected and enjoy the ride. And then just, um, you know, when it gets tough after three K, which it usually does just try and fight on. And, um, yeah, look, fortunately felt really good at three K. Um,
1: what was just three K split, uh, Dave?
2: Right, right, right on eight minutes. Yep, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um And you just ran so a
1: just, 7.46, hadn't you? Um,
2: yeah. Previously. Yeah, probably. Yeah. About, about a month, month and a bit before. Um, so I remember after that, after doing that 3K, I was like, man, you know, I should be, I should be able to get through 3K over 5K in eight minutes and feel super comfortable. And, um, and sure enough, I, I did, um, which was good. And then you know, probably another lap or two later, I started to notice that a bit of a gap was forming between, um, Matt and Stewie. And I, um, I probably hesitated for, you know, 200 meters, but then just, I don't know, I just, you know, you just have to kind of go on your gut. And I, um, I kind of bridged that gap and, and got in behind Stewie and yeah, I was just feeling really good. And at this point I wasn't really thinking about at the time. I just, I knew I was feeling good. I knew I was having a good race and, but yeah, got to about a lap lap to go and um, realized I was kind of a sniff at, at the, at the qualifying time. So Which was 13.12? Um,
1: 13, 13,
2: yeah. 13.5. 13. 13. Yeah. Yep. So, and I think I went through, I was about 12, 16 or something, I think at the bell. And, and um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I, I didn't, take off like the clappers I I I took off I took off with a um a bit of measured restraint um but picked it up a little bit and then you know I just wanted to make sure I got to that home stretch and um wasn't dying in the ass and fortunately I did and and um yeah crossed the line and it was it was obviously very close but um yeah managed to uh managed to dip under so yeah it was it was definitely a bit of a shock because I was hoping hoping that a a PB was inside and that might've been, you know, 13, 16 or 17 or something. So, but to get the time, um, you know, right before it was actually going to Europe, which was kind of the purpose of the trip. I was like, wow, I mean, don't need to go overseas now. (laughs) That, that, that thought lasted, lasted, uh, probably an hour or two. And then, um, yeah, realized there was still a lot more work to do. So (laughs) here I am.
1: What a great story that is and uh and you must have been pinching yourself to have Stuart McSwain, who's probably in the top 5 5k five, 5k runners top 10 5k runners in the world at the moment um, to have to yeah. face you, you must be pinching yourself to having having him in front Yeah of you.
2: look I yeah and look I think yeah, I um uh, I guess yeah you have to look at the that particular race with a bit of perspective and and this is true all the time and, I've said I've said this to a few different people and you know my my PB before that race was from 2012 so nine years ago and look there have been plenty of times in the last nine years where I've been in you know really good shape and 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 certainly capable of running PBs but um you know the 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 further into your career you get and um you know the faster your PBs get the 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 gains become increasingly marginal, um, and uh, and often um, the difference between running a PB and not is is not necessarily your fitness. It's 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 opportunity, it's timing, um, it's conditions, um, it's paces, and and this was a this was a case where all of those kind of stars aligned. Um, you know, we had good weather in Perth. Um, you know exceptional pacemaking and also it was a it was a reasonably small race so it didn't have the the kind of the the extra pressure of you know getting clipped and 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 pushed and and having to go around people and things like that i mean it in in many ways it was a glorified time trial and you yeah. know I'm, I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that and I, I, I know most a lot of people will will see it see it as that and and that's okay um and uh, but it was it was certainly very personal for me. I uh, probably I think in 2018, towards the end of 2018, I, I remember sitting down with Nick, and this was you know six nine months after the Commonwealth Games, and I'd had a pretty nasty injury there and had sat out for about six months of pretty much not running at all. And um, and I, I decided then that all I really wanted to do for the rest of my career was try and get my PBs a little bit quicker. I wasn't too, too worried about if I made another team or went to another Olympics. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. And so it had been a goal for a while uh, to chase those PBs. I think, um, you know, stars certainly aligned on that day, stars probably aligned, um, with, with COVID and, um, Mm. getting an extra year to, to basically have some uninterrupted, um, training and, Um, so I certainly benefited from, you know, basically a whole year of, um, training last year and, um, not having to worry about getting up for races and and tapering and things like that. So it's probably all contributed to, yeah, where the fitness has been this year and, and that result
0: i do want to ask you about that uh the COVID year in a second but uh i don't want to move on from this uh pb you've done without asking what was mm. your feeling in that first uh, hour after the race the next 24 to 48 hours uh, yeah really interested yeah. To know how good did it feel
2: yeah i mean i crossed the line and um you, you never you never quite know when you're that close because um yeah the, the clock the clock and and when you actually cross the line and when it stops can always be a little bit off and I crossed the line and I then didn't see the clock um so I kind of turned to the crowd who were on the track and asked did I get it and they said yeah yeah you got it and um yeah there was certainly an expletive that uh escaped my <laughs> mouth and yeah. um yeah I just kind of crumbled for a little bit because um yeah for one one it was very per- it was very personal it was um but like I said I, at that point, Tokyo was not really on my mind. The, the only thing on my mind was that you know I, I wanted to just kind of test my limits and and push myself and and um and see if I could you know run faster than I'd ever done. So um, to actually do that, and certainly at this point in my career, where you know you know the the, the longer you're running, I always say it's pr- it's probably something like one in ten races where you actually step off the track and you you know, you're really satisfied. A lot of the time it's, um, you know, you're not, not completely satisfied or, you know, it doesn't quite go your way. And, um, so, so it was, it was pretty special I crumpled on the ground and just had a, took a little moment for myself and, Mm um, yeah, then it was, um, yeah, just a lot of ecstasy for the next 24 hours, not a lot of sleep and a lot of messages and, um, phone calls and, um, yeah just sharing it sharing it with uh yeah my um my uh little posse of uh close supporters
1: <laughs> and for those who don't know dave has been to two olympics uh, already he's been to london and to rio um and you know it's no guarantee that he's going to be selected for tokyo but he's put his, he's put his hand up he's qualified for the time and and that that is a bit of a wait and see for selection isn't it dave and and that's kind yeah. of a, a little bit nervous i suppose but what a what a fantastic uh palmares to be able to say that possibly you can go to three olympics uh, as a track runner which there's not a lot of australian runners is there anybody dave who's who's done three
2: yeah th- three three certainly less common um but yeah we've had a, a you know i've had a few that have done you know, m- minors i'm pretty sure did four um you know jeff risley who's from my era, he's yeah. on the verge of potentially going to a fourth one as well.
0: Um yeah.
2: so um, but yeah, it's uh you know it's it's pretty special and and um you know it'd certainly be a great honor. And I uh yeah, it is it's at this point, it's certainly for me, um uh, definitely the wait and see now. I I won't be doing any more races before um the the qualifying window closes. Morgan McDonald and Matt Ramston will have a we'll both have another crack at, at a 5k so um but yeah i i've uh i did another 5k over the weekend which went you know mostly pretty well um i ran my second fastest time so wow. i've i've kind of i've kind of at least shown that i'm um uh, yeah it, you know reasonably consistent this year i've had three 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 of my fastest times ever in, in the last two or three months so hopefully that counts for something. Um, but, um, yeah, that's at this point it's, um, it's out of my control. The only thing I can control now is staying healthy, keeping fit. And, um, I guess I'm at the moment, I'm just training for, for Tokyo, whether or not it happens. Um, cause I think, you know, the, the decision decision at this point, whether you go and race again and, and try and put something else on the board. Um, so for, for me at this point, I'd much rather, um, focus on, Getting to Tokyo um, in a, in the shape and in a position to hopefully make a final, um, and uh, rather than just quite, kind of keep chasing and hoping to impress selectors, um, so we'll just wait and see, see what happens. <laughs> I'd
1: I'd love I'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on because you know this is June and uh, how many days is the uh, Tokyo uh, you know five k race away?
2: Yeah. Um, I I looked it up yesterday. It's, it's on a Tuesday. I think it's the first Tuesday of August. Yep.
1: Um,
2: so yeah, we're probably six or seven weeks away. I think. Um, what's your
1: thoughts on yeah. your form and holding form? And you're obviously you've had how many weeks since that Perth event? Was it?
2: Yeah, it was about. Uh, it's probably about five. Probably five weeks ago. Maybe yep. yesterday. Yep. Five or yep. six weeks ago. Um. So yeah, it's. I think. Um, probably one of the features of, um, Melbourne track club training is that it throughout the year, you know, whether we're in summer or winter, um, we always, you know, 90% of what we do doesn't change all year round. Um, so, um, I think that's, that's something that gives, gives me and, and gives the team a lot of confidence is that, um. You know, even though we've raced quite a lot this year, um, throughout that time, we, I'm still doing two long runs a week. Um, I'm still doing a threshold run every week. Um, you know, track sessions change from week to week, but, you know, they're always pretty high volume. So um, we've kind of had all the ingredients there to, to to kind of keep us going all year. And not to mention the fact that you know, I had 12 months leading up to it of really just um, fortifying mm. the body to... To be able to cope with a long season but um you know like i'm i'm feeling feeling good and um i you know i think like a lot of people um was really relishing this little block that we're doing now in saint moritz um just to focus on training and um have a bit of an uninterrupted yep. um run now because it's yeah my uh, my my training diary kind of looks like a bit of a zigzag with up and down weeks which. Um, which is just a natural feature of when you're racing every couple of weeks. So uh, that, that'll
1: take the pressure yeah. off you, though, one Knowing you don't have to actually race to qualify now, and and you can concentrate on your actual training program. It's almost like you've you you know you had a little mini peak to get the qualifier. You yeah. need to go back and train, and then hopefully yeah. you can peak again when it counts uh, in August. Is that yeah. the plan? That yeah, you've absolutely. Got?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean the the other good thing is is that. You know whether we're ra- whether I'm racing or not, or whether I get a long block of uninterrupted training or not, it really doesn't change. You know I'm, I'm not training any harder now. I'm I'm not um, you know I'm not putting in any extra miles now. I'm I'm literally just doing what I've done all year. Um, you know the, the only difference is you know if if we've got a race on you know you might do it just a thirty minute jog the day before um, to kind of freshen up and and um, and then you know your race day is usually a few few less K's, and then um, you might have a shorter on the day after. So just not having those sort of three or four day blocks where everything's a little bit down um, just just allows you to kind of um, yeah top up the engine a little bit, and um, yeah, so certainly some confidence to to come from that. But also yeah, it's nice nice to just take the 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 the, the mental pressure off for a little bit and and um, and just enjoy. Enjoy training and enjoy, um, you know, run running in uh, some nice surrounds for a few weeks. So that was going to be my next
0: question uh, in, with regards to your training block throughout the COVID year. We had a pretty interesting kind of experiment with all our athletes who are mostly age groupers, so definitely not elite or professional. Mm. Um, but last year, because of all the COVID lockdowns, we had a lot of our athletes improved dramatically because they had completely uninterrupted training, uh, for the first time in, yeah. in their, you know, age yep. group careers because, uh, most people work or family gets in the way, but we had all these athletes do yeah. six months of real winter training and come out absolutely yeah. firing. Uh, how did that yeah. kind of uninterrupted training period impact you and, and the team around you?
2: Yeah, I, I think that the impact is probably a few fold, um, or two, at least two fold. I mean, there, there's the obvious one, which is the, um, I mean, I mean, I always look at training as, as, um, as basically you ba- gradually just kind of building layers of resilience to your body. Um, so you know, you, you can you can build layers of resilience either by you, you up your your mileage, you um, you up your intensity. Um, you know, you uh, reduce your recoveries. Um, you can do it a few different ways, um, but when it comes down to it you're basically just um increasing your body's tolerance to to cope with work um and so you know having long uninterrupted periods of that um you know really really allows the, the the body to adapt and 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 not have to necessarily go through these up and down cycles so there's definitely the physical component to it but i think also probably you know i i think Invariably, when whenever you have a goal or or a race or um, or, or something that you're you're working towards, um, there is uh, invariably some some mental anxiety that that accompanies that. Um, you know, more more uh, stock gets put on in, in did the session go well or not. Whereas last year really didn't matter whether the session went well or not. It really just mattered that you got the work done. Um, so I think, um, probably longer uninterrupted periods of, um, kind of low pressure, um, you know, low anxiety, um, probably lower stress. Um, probably, uh, I think probably helps, um, your body physically and mentally, um, recovering, um, being able to absorb training. So I think it's probably, probably a combination of factors that led to that. Um, you know, for me. I I'd finished a physio degree in 2019 and um I'd kind of set aside the first half of the year to focus on on Tokyo and um was going to start work after that and then covid hit and ch- plans changed but um jobs also dried up so I didn't have much choice for a few months and was kind of on the on the sidelines looking for work and um so that kind of gave me an opportunity one to basically be a full-time athlete for a an extra year that I may not have may not have gotten um, also gave me a lot of time to, I, I guess, more critically um, think about, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, and um, I think bigger picture, just, you know, what's, what's my purpose, what makes me happy. And um, at the end of the day, I think that's, I know, know that's the the most important ingredient in, in any successes um, is you've got to enjoy it. Cause if, if you're not enjoying it, then, that sort of stress and anxiety is, is higher. Um, it's um, you know the, the motivation and and the um, the the presence in 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 your activity and 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 being present in the activity um, isn't there. So having some time to kind of really critically think about that's um, been really good, been really good for me. And I think um, yeah, it's probably paid off paid off a bit this year as well.
1: There's, there's so much uh, in those uh, summaries you've given and and would you say it'd be fair to say that th- that experience really has helped set up this year's results and, and over the journey that you've been a runner, as you said before, everything's built on layers and and mm. that was a really different year for everybody and it, it's, it's really quite amazing that after all these years and you've said yourself it took nine years to do a PB and it wasn't that yeah, was that COVID year that enabled that to happen, in your opinion? Oh or-
2: yeah. Look, I, it was certainly a, a huge part of it. I've, you know, I've never stopped sort of running over the last few years, but you know, between 2017 and 10 and 19, I had a lot going on. I was I was studying full time, doing clinical placements full time, had a, a part time job on the side as well. So I just had, you know, I was kind of stretched pretty pretty thin, and And so going into 2020, um, you know, things were going reasonably well. But, you know, if I look back on it, you know, I'd say maybe my chances at making Tokyo, if it had been in 2020, would probably have been a bit slimmer, um, having not had, you know, perhaps that really good foundation beforehand. So um, I think that's probably paid off pretty well for me this year. And I don't think I'm the only person. Mm. um that 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 that's
0: worked for but uh yeah yeah some key words you used there which i really love were uh, presence and enjoyment and that is so key mm. for our athletes because being non-professionals uh being able to enjoy mm. it is the most important thing and having presence is really what allows that it's kind of ironic mm. that as a professional you're not really supposed to enjoy it because it's your profession but being present and yeah. enjoying it more is probably going to help you perform better. Did you take that, uh, those lessons into the races this year, kind of what you learned from last year and your experience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I look back on, I look back throughout my career, which argues, arguably has been pretty sporadic. You know, I've had, um, you know, I've had lots of successes, but, um, interspersed with, you know, lots of injuries and, and periods of running pretty ordinarily. Um, And I think for yeah for a long time, um, uh, certainly in the early 2010s, um, there was always an anxiety around you know what am I doing or should I be doing this should I be doing that, Um, and it just was kind of this negative feedback loop that I guess just um, yeah it it created a headspace which wasn't conducive to to racing well to training well, Um, and I I do firmly believe that. Um, in terms of your overall health and well-being and um, your injury resilience it's 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 about so much more than just you know your your running training volume you know your body your body doesn't um, doesn't recognize different currencies of workload it just knows load is load whether that's coming from running whether that's coming from work whether that's coming from um, some psychological pressures that are that are in your life or or anything really um, and uh, and so I think, yeah, certainly, for me, in the last or probably the last two or three years, um you know the biggest my biggest mission has been how do i how do I make this enjoyable and sustainable? And, and you know for me personally, um, I need to have a bit of balance in my life. I need to have things other than running going on and um, and that's very personal for me for for other people, it's it's very different. it's um, it. it the the best their best is comes from when they're a hundred percent completely immersed in in just one activity so um i think that's a good point to make is that there's no um there's no recipe for um for success for anyone some some will be a hundred percent all in and and others will have more success um you know uh, having a little bit more balance in their life but for me having the balance then then i think um has in general just kind of reduced my um, anxiety, you know, around training and racing and just life in general. Um, I'm certainly not perfect at it. I still, um, still something that I have to work really, really hard on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I certainly this year just through a few different conversations and, and probably through some particularly difficult challenges at the start of, at the start of this year, I, um, you know i i just i had no choice but to um you know stop and slow down and and just close my eyes and breathe and 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 just put everything else aside that's going on inside inside my head um and just focus on my breath and and i think from that um you know i started to take that um a little bit more to my to my running you know to to work as well um you know started. You know, six months into a relatively new career, you know, can can be um, pretty stressful. But yeah, I, I think the point point to be made here, and you know, whether it's running, whether it's triathlon, whether it's anything in your life, um, uh, I think, and, and and what what is it to be present? I mean, it, it's really just um, being in the moment. It's not. It's uh, it's quieting. It's recognizing that your mind will will think about things in the past. And it's recognizing that it will think about things in the future, um, that, that will always happen. Um, and then just taking a step back from that, um, letting those thoughts pass through, um, and then just coming back to where you are, you know, so when I'm on easy runs around places like this, it's, it's easy. You just, you immerse yourself in, in your surroundings. Um, you know, when I'm racing, sometimes I'm immersed in, you know, what my, my race goal is and, and the pace that I need to be running. Sometimes I'm, just immersed in the person in in front of me and the people around me and, and making sure that I stay there or move around as I need to. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, um, not sabotaging your effort, whether that's on the track or at work or anywhere based on anxieties around, um, things that have happened before or, or, or what might happen in the future. Um, neither of which you have any control over, you can't change the past, and you can't, don't know what the future holds so the only thing you can control is is uh is the present moment and and um and that's something i've certainly been working on a lot more this year and as i said i i um i'm, I'm a, a a relative newbie to to i guess um that that this way of thinking i guess and um a lot of work to do on it but it's um i've certainly found it helpful
0: we're all imperfect aren't we And it's always a work in progress um <laughs> yeah I I listened to another podcast that you went on and you talked about how you've employed a sports psychologist. I don't know how long that's been for, but is this a lot of stuff you've learned from him and is this something you've been practicing with him or a bit of a mix of um, yourself as well?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so, it's, well, so Bert Bert and I um, have known each other for about 12 years and um, yeah, look, initially I I went and saw him professionally um, for, for actually some, some issues outside of running and, um, but, uh, you know, over the years, you know, um, uh, we, we caught up, caught up periodically, um, and, um, yeah, certainly helped with some preparation and and issues around anxieties with, with running and racing. And, um, you know, it it was a, a, a huge part of, um, my qualifying for my first Olympics, um, but over the years, we've, we've just become really good friends. And, and um, this was one of the, uh, another one of the, you know, great gifts of, of COVID was uh, being locked down and, and, um, and Skype and Zoom and FaceTime calls becoming the norm. We just, um, we caught up one time early in, in, in lockdown last year. And we, um, you know, we don't really, I guess we, there's probably not much difference between a a friendly catch up and a professional catch up. We, we end up talking about a lot of the same stuff anyway, but, um, we just kind of committed to doing that every fortnight. And so, and we've kind of kept doing that all year and, and, um, you know, Bert's one of my dearest friends and, um, and as I said, we, we catch up as friends these days, but, um, what we talk about, you know, doesn't really change whether it's a professional or friend friendly, um, call and and i like to think that um i think i think we both uh get uh get something out of um spending some time with each other and uh absorbing each other's energy
1: well, well you're certainly uh you know looking if we looked from when you left school as a runner to, to you know from probably 2009 10 to now yet yeah you've definitely got a a more resilient freedom about your running rather than than what you had previously I, I imagine from what you're telling us and the fact that you could actually run as fast now as you did 10 years ago and now doing PBs is 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 almost a testament to that that newfound uh freedom in your running and enjoyment and taking away the anxiety and the stresses that you put on yourself um would that be something that you think has made the difference and it's never one thing but but yeah. you, are, you are running fantastic um, and And you're doing PBs and I hear when I hear you talk now an absolute um, freedom in in your perspective and everything that you you're training you're, and you're racing and, and you've just taken away the anxiety and and I just love hearing what i'm what I'm listening to here and and it's no wonder that you're able to run now with with that love and, and freedom that you probably lacked in the middle part of, of your career um, um, with the, yeah, just talk us through that, that, uh, comment. Yeah, that's
2: a pretty, pretty accurate statement. And, um, yeah, I'm, it's a pretty, I guess it's a, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. So it's, um, uh, yeah, it's certainly been an, an evolution in, you know, how I've approached things and lesson, lessons that I've learned along the way and, and, um, and yeah, how my, how my thought process has changed, but, um, yeah. Look at at the end of the day, I think um, probably the probably condenses down to two really important lessons. Is um, probably one, I think, is that there's no there's no magic formula to to running well and and getting fit. And um, you know, we 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 often attribute to you know the elites and professionals that you know they're doing all these one percenters, but um, you know it's it's all. It's always easy to comment on the one percenters, but it's the ninety nine percent that that's the most important. And um, you know, I think you know, probably I've had at different times different levels of anxiety around, I guess, um, yeah, what those one percenters are, and you know, what do I need to be doing to get the most out of myself? When in reality, like the the most important thing is is um, you know. Getting a certain critical amount of running in the legs, um, you know, doing some training that at, uh, um, that simulate what you're going to do in a race and and the challenges that you're going to face in a race, and um, and do it at a level and an intensity in it, and um, that's that's repeatable, um, and then you can you can maintain week in week out, um, month after month, year after year. Um, and it's you know probably no coincidence that yeah the last twelve eighteen months have probably had the the most consistent run of training. I think you know as I've gotten older, one of the things probably last year that um, that's probably helped a lot this year is was having the confidence to to say that you know I I'm a bit older now and and I probably don't recover as well as I did probably ten years ago. Um, so I don't run as many k's as I used to, and I think it takes a a certain amount of confidence um to be able to go I want to run faster but I can't run as much as I used to um so I think yeah finding finding that level of training that's um repeatable um that's uh, sustainable um and that you can just do week in week out um that's probably the most important thing that has taken a long time to to so kind of get right, but um, probably is is what's helped a lot this year and and then I think the other thing is is uh, you know all of that um, it, it's it's all good and well to find something that's physically sustainable and 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 um, and repeatable, but um, you have to enjoy it um, and you know for me, um, I think the enjoyment and the reduction in Kind of anxiety and things like that um comes from having some balance so i've quite enjoyed um working working uh during you know the last six months um yeah not not to say that i'm not enjoying being at st ritz and having nothing to <laughs> to worry about other than training but um you know I, I i've come to realize now that i can't do that all all year long um without you know and just yeah uh, whether whether it's boredom or or whether it's um, just accumulating anxiety about you know, or extra time to to overthink things and overanalyze things, but um, I've certainly find, found for me having a little bit more balances has um, has made that consistency in training um, more possible. Um, and then i'm I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to enjoy enjoy things outside of running so you know i um i i quite i quite enjoy having a beer um you know i probably during lockdown probably drank more beer last year than you know i would have at any other point in my career but lo and behold i was still running all right and still getting fit and um i don't i don't drink to ex to excess I, i usually only have one beer but um you know a few nights a week having a beer is is uh is okay and you know traditionally when you think of elite athletes and the one percenters and you, you think a lot of about sacrifices that you make to um you know to be you know ready for training and and things like that and um i think there's yeah it's always a bit of a balancing act um making those sacrifices but not at the expense of um you know a sustainable level of enjoyment to um to kind of fuel fuel yourself and and um feel the mental energy that you need to to actually do do the the training and and mentally prepare for some of the races that we run
0: some unbelievably profound uh, and grounded answers uh, you've given over the last 20 minutes it's uh really good uh switching on to a bit of a lighter note um you've had a great career you've been to two olympics you've been australian champion multiple times across 5k and 10k uh can you tell us something uh what stands out as one of your favorite moments of your career or a favorite race that doesn't have to be the best race you performed in? maybe it's a favorite because of uh extra circumstances or you're just really proud of the effort you put in what yeah. stands out as a career highlight
2: uh, uh, yeah look i, I mean sim- simple ones like personal bests are always um always particularly special and um so I remember all of those um my two zadapec wins were were um particularly memorable. Um, the first first one particularly, just because it was kind of um, yeah, a bit, bit unexpected and it was early on in my se- senior career, I guess. And then um, that was my first sort of senior Australian title. So that was certainly memorable work, but probably one that really stands out uh, or probably two that stand out among all of them. Um, first would have been my um the ncaa 5k outdoor title in back in 2010 um and that was that was memorable one because it was at hayward field which is kind of like the holy grail of of track and field in the world and um this was before they um they just built this uh fancy new stadium so it was kind of the the traditional traditional hayward field stadium and um you know running in front of a pack crowd which included my mum and dad which was um they've always been uh or they've been at a lot of almost almost all of my sort of big international races so um it's always special special when i've got family there so that that was one particularly memorable one and then um the other one would have been the rio rio olympic 10k which um you know apart from maybe a couple of small areas in the middle of the race i'd you always kind of think that the olympics are they come they only come every 4 years and it's it's one day and it's one evening and it's a half hour window where you spend you know your whole life um trying to get everything perfect for that 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 one moment which is bloody hard to do um but i i felt like on that day i um ran just about as well as i could have um you know I prob- as i said there was probably a, a, a portion early on in the race where i missed missed a move um which may have cost me a couple of positions but um you know it was pretty close to to running as as best i could um on the biggest stage so um i was particularly proud of that and and again um you know for for me family's a a huge huge part of um you know this the whole running journey so um i had had my mum, dad um, brother and sister, sister-in-law, and um, my uh, my best friend Dan Dan Carmody as well. There, so it was, um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, very memorable. So those those two certainly stand out.
0: That's some great answers, um, Dad. Did you want to touch on anything there? Because I had another question. But no,
1: look, there must be thousands of races you've actually done, Dave, over your journey, and to to pick out some of them, uh, they're great stories, and and you know. That's one of the things I wanted to pick up on was, you know, every time you, you put a number on, you might not get the best outcome on the day. And, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Because, you know, you're a competitor, you want to win, you want to do your best every day. You want to train your best every day. How do you uh, deal with that in your own mind that, you know, not every day is going to be
0: a winning day? You said before nine out of 10 might not be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think you've already, you've already kind of answered that and that, we we inherently know that that's a possibility, um, and I certainly do do now. Having um, you know, having had so many you know crappy races and um, races that haven't gone well, um, so I think think knowing that beforehand um, certainly certainly in the moment. I mean, you know, I, when I ran thirteen twelve in in Perth, you know. 10 days later around 1354 and came next to last in the Gateshead diamond league. So I was about as far from, um, you know, the, the joy and excitement I felt in Perth as you could possibly get.
0: I did watch Um, that race. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was not, it was a pretty horrible, horrible showing on my part. And, and, um, it was a bad night as well. Poor conditions. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, I felt pretty rotten afterwards and, and, um, and, uh, and pretty despondent about it. And that's, that's not uncommon, but I think, um, I think knowing what this, how this sport is and, and that it is filled with ups and downs, um, you know, and having that perspective allows you to kind of move on pretty quickly. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly didn't invent this, you know, I'd heard, heard it from other athletes, but, um, in situations like that, where you where you have a bad race, you you kind of give yourself the you know the hour or two afterwards, and then and then you just you put a sand in a line in the sand and say, yep, time to move on, and and um, you know that's 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 kind of how I approach it. Is um, you know it's you will you will have races that don't go your way, and it's totally fine to feel despondent and disappointed and pissed off, and and um, and but i think also uh it's important to um be critical of yourself um and and listen listen to um um, you know i uh nick's Nick's actually sitting sitting across the room so i should be careful what i say um i always really i've always appreciated particularly from him which i probably didn't have from other coaches is um you know good honest feedback um after performances like that and you know, it's, I I in some other other athletes, and I certainly recognise probably earlier on, my, on, on in my career is um, sometimes the the most important things that you you need to learn and and, and listen to um, are the hardest. And um, you know, I can think of times where uh, you know the hard truths. You probably um, you shut yourself down, and you and you don't listen to them, and um, I've been particularly grateful for Nick, you know, giving me an honest kick up the butt when I've um, when it's been called for, and, and I think that was probably a good example. There's been plenty of plenty of other times in the past as well, and um, I think having the um, kind of putting the ego, being able to put the ego aside, and and um, and and uh, yeah, just listen, listen with an open heart, um, pays huge dividends in the in the long run um so
0: yeah last couple of questions for you because we know you've got a uh, hectic schedule over there you've had your session <laughs> this morning you go to the go to the gym and yeah. double up this afternoon uh dad and i are obsessed with finding out more about uh, elite athletes programming because there's always slight variations that we're trying to learn from and you mentioned yeah. before that you do two long runs a week as well as a threshold run yeah. on top of two yeah. high intensity days so where do you fit those long runs in and the threshold around the high intensity days
2: yeah so uh, there's only, I guess, the way you're describing. I only have one high intensity day, so, um, and then one threshold day. Okay. Yep. So two. You've two, changed two, that I
1: though, guess, Dave, have you changed that? You used to do two.
2: Yeah. So yeah. So probably um, for me, it probably changed um, early in 2018, um, where I started to do just two two quality days a week. Some of the, some of MTC is still doing three, three a week. Um, I, yeah, we just, just came to the realization that, you know, it just, it worked a bit better for me. I was, um, probably not as resilient and, and as good at recovering as some of the other guys. And, and, um, and so yeah, my, my schedule tends to revolve around a, a Tuesday, generally interval, interval sort of day. And, and, uh, you know, for most of this year, it's a track day and then um and then friday's a a steady 30 minute um threshold run um so that's tuesday and friday wednesday i I do a a long run sunday i do a long run um they're both uh, a bit shorter than you know what i used to i I used to run up to two hours for long runs now i'm generally only doing 90 to an hour 45. um so this morning was 90 minutes um you know i think first week back at altitude, we'll, we'll see how Sunday goes, but it may just be 90 minutes as well. Um, and then everything else in between is, um, yes. Yeah, some hour our jobs, um, I, I will do a, a double run on my two session days. So Tuesday and Friday, um, and every other day is just a single run. And then, um, yeah, a couple of couple of days, either in the gym or, or doing some, some core stability work.
0: So, that's that's great for us to know. Um, last question for the episode. Uh, and again, thanks for yeah. joining us and giving us uh, your time. We like to ask our guests this question every time at the end, but what is a lesson that you've learned in the last 12 months that you'd like to pass on to other people? Ooh,
2: yeah. Uh, look, I, I think the one that's been most valuable and um, most meaningful and the one that's probably helped from a performance point of view is um is really putting in the practice and and um yeah living in the present moment sounds really cliche (laughs) i hate saying it but it's uh it's it's probably been the single biggest key to um you know actually having some races this year that i've been proud of um uh you know there's been it hasn't been probably a lot of those in the in the last sort of three four years and that's partly because I've just had other things, other priorities in life as well. But um, uh, yeah, certainly from a racing, uh, running, and racing perspective. But that was probably born out of um, some, as I said, some other challenges I had at the start of the year, which was um, dealing with uh, the death of an uncle and 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 my best friend, and um, and uh, and just um, yeah, <laughs> a, a level of grief. I'd hadn't had an experience before and and um affected me in ways that um yeah had hadn't really hadn't really had to deal with before so um but i guess kind of coping with that and um and managing with work and just managing outside of work and things like that um that that kind of became the mantra and and focusing on breathing and things like that and um And then I eventually realised, oh, this might actually um, be useful in running as well. And and um, and yeah, it certainly certainly has. So um, you know, I I actually recently, I've just just last week finished a book called um, um, "The Power of Now." It's an old book by um, uh, Eckhart Tolle. Tolle, yeah, Um, yeah. um, But um, you know, it's a it's a recurring theme, I think in um yeah as i said a lot of the conversations i have with with my friend bert um you know it's it's a recurring theme in um a lot of books i'm reading i've started reading this other one which is um it's a bit heavy but it's it's about uh um it's about the tower um which is the ancient east eastern eastern uh um i don't know if you call it a book or a um philosophy uh, or- selection of yeah philosophy or, or whatever it is but um you know a lot of the messages from from all these different things are the same um just a different flavor on them and um yeah as i'm finding it's um it's not not a not a bad perspective to have
0: yeah so sorry to hear about um that grief you went through at the start of the year and like it shows the power of what you're saying you know you're not just saying these cliches for no reason it really mm. uh, got you through those periods that's what it sounds like and obviously helped your racing which mm. you know shows the power in some of these what you could say simple messages but i've read that book as well the power of now and i think i can honestly mm. uh Remember how I used to look at the world before reading the book, and after that, it's almost like two different uh, perspectives. Yeah. And when you yeah um, do understand and really practice presence, I really like uh, that lesson that you've said.
2: So. yeah, definitely. and and yeah, look, it's it's um it's not limited to running and and triathlon and sports. it's um yeah it, it's uh, uh, I think important in, in any, any aspect of life um, any interaction you have with friends um, you know, being with friends, listening to friends, um, and, uh, yeah, just generally, generally is a good way to get the the most out of any situation.
1: We always say, don't we, uh, I don't don't want to ask any more questions, but, but, you know, dealing with, uh, with things in your life, such as grief and, and you get perspective really quickly about what's important and what's not important. And do, do you think, uh, looking back now that, it's important to really savor the good, the good, uh, the good times, I suppose, and the good races and, and, and really be proud of those a bit more than, and, you know, we're always trying to be better and I could have done better today. Uh, even though I ran well, I I could have done better. Do you think, do you think you get more perspective now that you've gone through a little bit of that in the last year, um, in your, in your actual yeah. life?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, Yeah, it it, absolutely, absolutely, it's important to savor, you know, that the the good races, the good experience, the joys, the highs, all of those things. Um, uh, Certainly, if if for nothing else, um, as you attack each new new challenge, um, that you've got the the confidence to back yourself. You know, you've been here before, you've done this before, this and that. Um, But yeah, you. You couldn't separate um the value i think in in the good races um from the value that you get in you know the tough races um so so i um and in many in many ways the the tough races and the the ones that don't go the, your way or the ones where you make mistakes are uh are probably more valuable and you know i'd be the first to admit that i make the same mistakes over and over and over again um so know it's it's i think it's one thing yes you you can learn from from each mistake you make but um don't be too hard on yourself if you if you screw it up again because um you you almost certainly will and and it's you you really just fine it Life's just about fine tuning and and yeah i guess trying to trying to always be better but um you know accepting that um sometimes it doesn't always go your way and and that's that's okay. And it's uh yeah, it all, all contributes to that yeah, that amalgamation and and fine tuning and um, and uh, yeah, just gen general improvement in, in in your approach and, and and how you do.
0: That's a great way to finish. Uh thanks so much, Dave, for joining us on the podcast. We took you a bit long there. Our apologies. Your coach is sitting next to you, so we don't want to anger him anymore. Not that he would be angry, but we don't no, want to that's all right. Uh, do that but thank you so much for, again for joining us our listeners will absolutely love uh hearing your story and if you do get picked for tokyo good luck we will be uh, backing you all the way as will our listeners they'll all be looking out for you if you do get selected so good luck with it all and again thanks for joining us <laughs>